This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to be checking into a recent visit that I had over at the Browns Wire podcast. I think uh, some some important topics were discussed, shared, and um, some good banter there that I think is worth sharing here in case you have not uh, had a chance to listen to that. I don't know what your regular flow of podcast is, but I want to share it. Josh Keeley does a great job with this one, so I wanted to get over and uh, make sure to share that one. And um, yeah, I think Donovan James also does great work with them. So uh, this was just last week. I hope you've gotten a chance to listen to it and listen to the Browns Wire podcast in general because I think they do a great job. But before we get over to that interview, I want to talk to you about the Blue Wire Hustle, which is the program where you can host your very own podcast at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And all of that is included. And the best part, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just to initially set it up. So all of those great features come tagged along for that $15 a month. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports podcasting experience. Take that thing to the next level. Acceptance into the program is limited though, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more about bwhustle.com slash join and get your chance to get in with that application. Check the information box in this pod below. Now let's get over to our um, crossover pod edition here with the Browns Wire podcast. All right, welcome to the Browns Wire podcast. It's your host, Josh Keeley. This is always Donovan James. And today we have a very special guest coming in from the OBR, Jake Burns. Jake, how you doing, brother? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, we've been hitting – I've been – Paracity on Twitter. We've been Twitter followers for a while, and we'll finally get you on the show. It's a, it'll be a good time, and and it's a, it's perfect timing. Perfect timing with with, I mean, with the second biggest headline so far this offseason for the Browns, with so much hype going into the JJ Watt BS, and finally he signs, and it's with the Arizona Cardinals. You're judging from your Twitter. You took it pretty well. <laughs> I mean, look. I don't. I didn't care if they signed JJ Watt or not. Like I think that there's a, obviously there's 
there's elements to JJ's game that can be beneficial, but it's like he's also a big time risk liability. Three of the last five years, he's had injury issues, and and mm-hmm. and like he's not an ideal four three guy. He's better set as a as a three four guy, and that's you know, I mean, he chose Arizona, um, and and there's reasons why. I mean, you could you could point small reasons weather. Uh, you could point big reasons, you know, three, four defense a little better for his skill set, um, you know, links to Vance Jones. But the biggest reason is they probably did bid the most. You know, my point with the whole thing was like, I think the Browns made a really strong push. And I think that's yeah. OK if they did like, OK, maybe Arizona bid 15. But if the Browns bid 12 or 13, which I've had reasons to believe they got to that number, they made a really strong push. It's not actually that crazy to think that the guy who in Arizona was actually told something realistic what does Aaron, what does jj watt have to gain at this point there's nothing to be gained by leaking this information like i think the guy just said hey man we had a couple offers that were a little bit more money but he chose arizona and the reasons are pretty obvious so like if you want to get offended because jj didn't sign with the browns and like go down this avenue of uh you know i'm, I'm pissed he didn't sign him but i'm happy my front office put their foot down but if they would have gone to 15 you'd have been praising them like crazy like it's just this double stand i get it he didn't sign with your team doesn't mean the browns aren't worthy it just he just chose someone else so there's plenty of other great options out there i'm sure we'll talk about them but like it's just weird it's just like these people that follow every single little thing that jj watt said or did leading yeah. up to this and then it's like well they they uh, they they made, they made a strong push but they underbid by two million and all of a sudden it's like yeah great job by the gm not to give them that two million dollars well i guarantee if the cardinals come here in week 17 and jj watt has four sacks it's going to be like, well, why didn't we pay him? It's like, it's just this weird thing, man, where you want to feel like the Browns always make the right decision. Okay. They made an aggressive push for this guy. That's great. They made a good offer for him. He didn't come here. It's okay. Then move on. There's good, there's good, there's good players still out there. Yeah, absolutely. Donovan actually, last week, Dom and I actually went through our top 10 uh, edge rushers, a free agent was, and there's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty deep class. I think that they are going to find someone, like you said, when it comes to free agency, you can only control what you can control. It's not like the draft where the Browns, you you get to make all the call. It's a 50-50 game. It takes two to tango. So sometimes it's just not a good mesh. Whatever J.J. Watt didn't see here, whether it was money or the situation, you can't really blame him. I, you know, you do deal with some of the Cleveland bias where for some reason there's this aura that people think that we're so much closer to the big game than the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't necessarily feel like that's that's true either. You know, it's I'm not – yeah. Right. That that yeah. I mean, so I don't. I don't I'm not. Really I'm not, I'm not trying to be that. like. I'm not trying to be a, like a downer. But you you look at the Cardinals and they have a really good young quarterback who's had yeah. a really good first two years. They have a better defense, a far superior defense to Cleveland right now. Yep. And they played a tough division without the soft out of con- out of conference schedule that the Browns received. Like everybody who played the NFC or NFC East thrived like it's just a fact it's okay though like the browns are in a good position to make yes. a playoff run they can still be good but arizona also has really good pieces to be in position to make their own playoff run so sitting here and being like well he didn't want to sign with a contender okay he, he did though so what do you just because you have a lousy opinion of the cardinals that isn't really based and <laughs> rooted in, man, in realism hey. like come on I, man I, like I, I love this guy jake right here. <laughs> i like this guy <laughs> they're, they're not. They're, they're one game away from making. They're, they're one game away from making the playoffs. Like they, everybody makes jumps in the NFL. Like non-playoff teams that were right there make jumps to the next level. Next, so listen again. Like the Browns are still going to have a chance to be really good, but it's not linear. Ask the 2008 Browns if they thought they were going to be good after 2007. Yeah. Oh Ask God. the 2003 Browns if they thought they were going to be good after 2002. Yeah. Like we want to believe it's going to happen, and we don't have a reason to think otherwise. Right. But it's like. 
we've seen we've seen weird things happen all the time, and the Browns can end up not have a good year and go eight and eight. You just the injuries, the schedule not meshing at the perfect time when you're playing somebody. Is is NFL is so weird, man? So don't act like the Cardinals are this far, uh, far, far team that's so much further away than the Browns to getting to the ultimate goal. Like I just think that's that's like you're wearing your your orange and brown sunglasses, and you're just kind of bitter that he didn't sign with Cleveland. So that's where I'm at with it. I, I agree with that. You know, it, it, I do believe that the Browns are close, right? I, and I'm trying to be positive about it. And but for all the people you hear say, "Hey, they're three, they're a couple guys away," they're also a couple guys away from being a very average team again, too. It go, it goes both ways. So I, I'm definitely there with you. Now Donovan's on the other end of the spectrum. Donovan loves Cliff Kingsbury so much that he's just so he's just biased. We just, I just can't take your opinion seriously. That's why. I, well, I love Kyler too, Coach Handsome Kyler. You do. I love you do. It's I, bad. They're building something up in the desert, man. I was saying, I didn't know they would do this, but D Hop, you know, I love D Hop. Who doesn't love D Hop? Of course. Yeah, man. They got I thought in. the deal that it made a ton of sense for them. And JJ Chandler the team's defense. Yeah, the defense is in far better position. Like, okay, if I'm sitting down looking at this thing and I'm like, okay, all right, I got a defense here in Cleveland that has Miles Garrett. That dude's really good, but who else do they have? They have Denzel Ward. They're about eight guys away from being really good defensively. <laughs> well, I could go here for two years. They yeah. could go here for two years. And I like the money, but they also have a defense that's structured the right way. They got a bunch of young, good pieces, good safety, good corners. They got a really good ed- edge player, outside linebacker opposite me. Like, I just think it's rather easy to make that decision for him. So, again, that's one name taken away, and the Cardinals are no longer suitors for any of these other names. And it eliminates team. And you got, like, you know, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. You got Trey Hendrickson. You got. Yeah, there's an, a bevy of names, man. We could talk about them all day. But, yeah, like the Cardinals are in good position. I, I expect them to have a good year. I think the 49ers are still kind of on the rocks. Seattle might trade Russell Wilson. That division's open, man, Like, and, and they could definitely make a jump. Yeah, and let, let's go ahead and let's talk about some of those additional options. You already named a couple free agents who I really like. Unique and Gogway kind of got – that that's that's a good option that I really like, and I see a Browns fans and a lot of people on Twitter kind of crapping all over him. I think he was a little bit of a disappointment at Minnesota, but he was never that flashy, explosive pass rusher. He was just a very solid do-it-all defensive end, which I think is would be a perfect compliment to Miles Garrett, especially if you talk about that second tier. You know, you're not going to want to. Ideally, you don't want to spend that JJ Watt money, anyways. You're wanting to get someone in the second tier. Like unique there, like unique there, and uh, but what, what are some other options there you see in free agency that could be possible Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I think I think it's going to come down to to somebody that they can get maybe unexpected that's that's a little bit below value and like Yannick Yannick could get lost in that shuffle a little bit. Uh, I think he's a, he's a, a name that uh, you, you got to understand. Some of these teams are chasing a, a premier guy, like making somebody like Yannick or Trey the premier guy where Cleveland has the ability to make one of these guys just the secondary feature guy who's going to, if you're looking at the contract and you're like, okay, I could go uh, say to Detroit or I could go somewhere. I'm just thinking off the top of my head or even Houston. Now I could go to Houston, offer me a good contract, but I'm going to draw a ton of attention. Well, if I go to Cleveland, uh, I'm always working opposite miles. So unless they're keeping two tight ends in all the time, I'm going to get free reign against this opposite tackle. Like, yeah, 90% of the game. So, like, there's little things like that that we don't think about when we're talking about first. I think that's a big part of it. So, yeah, like Trey Hendrickson in New Orleans is, like, the premier guy for me. He's young. He's got he's got a connection to somebody on the Browns roster in that Florida Atlantic connection to Harrison Bryant. Like, he's he's got four good years. He obviously didn't get the early snaps in the league because they were trying to spend their time developing Marcus Davenport, who they spent a first-round pick on, opposite, yes. um, you know, Cameron Jordan. So, like – 
they 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 gave him a chance. He's still young. I think he's going to play this year at 26. Had a really nice yes, sack sir. production season last year. Has a good power speed mix. A lot of the same stuff. My he was great number two guy. And then there's like a core with with the Lions can be a productive cheap player. There there's uh, I mean I think that a guy like Jadevian Clowney who didn't even develop a market last year, didn't have a good year in Tennessee, but could be hungry to take a one-year deal in this weird salary cap situation and be hungry to go get a double-digit sack season to go parlay his next contract. You could take advantage of that sort of thing. So I think there are realistic options out there still that can that can be effective. I mean, I don't think Carl Lawson hits for you. I just, everything I gather from people that operate around the Bengals are either going to be tagged or signed to some sort of that's extension. That's probably true. I kind of don't really pay – I don't pay much attention to him because I just think it would be completely asinine for them to let him walk away for nothing. Um, so I, I think the, the, those three bigger options, there's other names out there, like I said, uh, that they could entertain. But but if you're looking for, like, guys that are going to make Browns fans' ears pop up, Hendrickson and Gawkway or guys like Clowney could be a guy too. So, uh, But, again, they, they can't spend everywhere. So they're either going to commit to spending some money and – on the pass rush side of things, I think, and, and this is a conversation I've had on several different podcasts now, is the status quo of their defensive line is is not good. I mean, it's okay. Let me put it this way. Miles, Andrew Billings coming back, Sheldon Richardson, he's a candidate for some things I think are silly to cut him. I just think you're creating a whole other weakness for no reason whatsoever. Agreed. I think you can try to restructure him, but you only have one more deal year to deal with that contract. But nonetheless, that's a different conversation. Um, but you, you see, so you see, yeah, Billings and Richardson, and then you have Adrian Claiborne and like Porter Gustin. So that's not a, an A plus defensive line, but as we saw at the end of the year, it can still be functional. Their coverage is a disaster, guys. Like they have Denzel Ward and they have Ronnie Harrison. That's it. I mean, like everybody else is essentially gone. Carl Joseph, Anderson Deho are gone, and those guys weren't bringing a ton last year. Terrence Mitchell's floating on the free agency market, solid player, but never anything above reaching average. Uh, Greedy Williams shoulders a disaster. Grant Delpit, all of a sudden, yep. people seem to think that he can just make a miracle, seamless recovery from one of the worst injuries in football. So, like, they have two guys that are really, really ready to play next year in the secondary. And and I think that you look at that. Like, I keep calling their coverage situations a disaster. These are routes to fixing it. But, like, if you're looking at the coverage versus the front, the coverage is a disaster. So I'd rather allocate some more of my funds there. So I'm not playing four first or second year players in my secondary. Like I don't want to do that. Like I just think you got to find ways to whether you go and get Marcus Williams or you try to trade for Lattimore, you go get Anthony Harris. There's something there that has to be done that doesn't involve cutting Sheldon Richardson. Like I think that's just silly. I agree with you too. And it's funny. We, we did the rankings of our top, Browns needs, and I, I I completely agree with you, is that the defensive backfield needs to be priority number one. You know, one of our fan questions last week, was too, was talking about Grant Delpit, what to expect from Grant Delpit, or, you know, do you count him as a lock? And I think that that is crazy that so many Browns fans are just automatically assuming that he's going to be able to step in, play at a high level. I hope he can, just like I hope Greedy can, but we sure. it's best to prepare for what you know, and we know that he hasn't been on the field. So if you can get a guy like Morian from TCU, if he's there at number 26, that not, might not be a bad place to look, uh, which I guess brings us to our, our, our next question. I saw your recent mock drafts. Um, I, I was a big big fan of them. I, I think I like the first one more than the second one. I like taking J.C. Horn over uh, the defensive tower, Bearmore from Alabama. Uh, but what, what do you think? What do you envision for the Browns draft plan and what, what you think they need to do? 
Well, I, I don't. This is a terrible answer, but so so much is dependent on free agency because so much. Yeah. They brought they brought in like eight guys last year that changed the complete outlook of the draft. Like we all thought that they would go tackle early, but they solved one of the tackles. So it was like. Okay, maybe they'll go to tight end in a second. Well, they solve tight end. It's just like all of these things shift, and they're going to shift. But, but there's no doubt about, in my opinion, that you can kind of shoehorn two positions in, and I don't think people are wrong. I think you can certainly say they're going to look at an edge rusher unless they go sign somebody big, an edge rusher or a corner. There are two guys that I would consider other than those guys. Let me take that back. There are three guys I would cha- consider – outside of those positions. And I'm eliminating wide receiver because that's just a whole other abyss you can fall into. I even just wrote on the scenarios there, but it's just like this black hole of disaster right now. But like the three guys I would consider from a 26 and there's not a cornerback that is presented there that I like, or there is no longer an edge player there that I like is uh, Trevon Merrick, who you mentioned earlier, the, the, the safety from TCU, who I think is a fine, very fine football player, fills a center fielder type cover three single high safety role, but also a guy who can play man coverage, yes. can come down, play the line of scrimmage, takes great angles on tackles, plays the ball really fluidly when it arrives without disrupting the catch point in terms of drawing penalties. I really like his game. Uh, Bearmore, who you just mentioned, Christian Bearmore, the, the interior, who I think is substantially the best defensive interior player in this draft. Uh, I think really? he's a very good football player. I would consider him now. This is this is like if they let Sheldon go, that they end up letting Sheldon go and taking that twelve million mm-hmm. and readjusting that twelve million into safety or corner or end, then it becomes a need. Now, if he's there, I could I'd consider it. But uh, if the status quo is unchanged, where they keep Sheldon and they keep Billings and maybe they go sign another guy to go with Elliott in the second rotation, uh, maybe not. But I would consider it. That's what I'm saying in terms of like that situation the only other guy I would consider is is Cormo the linebacker hybrid guy I, I I call him a rover he's he played rover at Notre Dame if he's sitting there he's the only linebacker I would consider I don't like I said again I don't consider him a linebacker he doesn't do traditional linebacker things so that's why I would like him he's a he's a um, people people name that role a bunch of different things in their defense. I've seen it named a Viper. When I was playing football in high school, they called it a monster. Uh, people call it a Rover. There's a whole bunch of different names for that. But it's just a guy who is a diverse player in terms of he can play against heavy personnel sets, multiple tight ends, fullbacks, whatever, but can also be put in the slot, can play hook, curl, flat zone coverages, can fill an alley in the run game from depth, uh, and can also play man-to-man on certain players that they feel comfortable with. He can do all of that. I recently saw in the ringer that they compared him to Jamal Adams. That might be a, a bit of a reach for me, but but when you see a hyper-talented player, you relate him to a hyper-talented current NFL player, and he does some things similar, especially the play speed, the twitchiness, and some of the roles that he can fill uh, to, to, to Jamal Adams. So, like, if they're taking a linebacker there um, or they're just interested, like, who's the best football player on the board right here? He makes sense to me because he can fill a really interesting role, especially against te- the division that has – you know, a ton of lateral run game between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson and a whole bunch of different things they do lateral run game wise. Matt Canada's taking over the offensive coordinator role for Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, we know his, if you remember his ridiculous offense at Maryland, that was just fly sweep, jet sweep, fake action, mm-hmm. just a bunch of different stuff. Um, you'll need guys who can cover ground laterally. And obviously, you know, if you get to the upper echelon of the conference, you play Buffalo with a ton of speed, you play you play Kansas City with the speed that the NFL, every team wants that speed. So you got to have guys that can do different things. So um, 
those are the three guys I would probably consider. I still think above all else, they go edge or corner. And if none of those three guys are there. They'll probably consider trading back. So like, that's kind of where I'm at with this, with this current pick 26 setup. Now everything could change if we talk in a month, that's just how it is though. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I haven't made my big board yet or anything like that, but Donovan, and I did a little exercise a couple weeks ago and I took Coramar uh, for the Browns as well. It, you know, people get real turned. We got a couple nasty comments. Nasty. We got a couple uh, mean comments saying, "Why are you taking a linebacker? Why are you taking a linebacker? Why are you taking a linebacker?" Because well, when you I mean, Google them, it pops up like that. I'm sorry, Donovan. Yet, no. I was gonna say, like, I mean, everyone's saying that to you, but we had uh, we had Mac Robinson on the show, and I mean, myself, like Zayvon Collins was like my pick for the Browns personally. Um, so I, I was gonna ask Jake what he thought because I mean, if Mac was on this show, he you know he was talk- he talked about Zayvon Collins for like twenty minutes. Going oh around. yeah, he was pitching a tent for he sure. He was like, that has to be the pick yeah. if he's there. Like, there's no other option. Like, time to pick. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna say he's a bad football. I'm not trying to say that in any stretch. I think he's a good football player. He's one of the yep. best linebackers in the country last year. Like, if they picked him, I'd be like, cool. They can find a role for this guy. No problem. He's gonna be a oh, player. Yeah. The problem is kind of like. <laughs> It's a slippery slope because we have all of these people who think they know everything that Andrew Barry thinks and does and Paul DiBodesta, and they've seen this they've seen this sheet of paper that has these outlines and these rules, and they and maybe it came from DiBodesta, maybe it didn't. I don't know. It's been floating around Twitter forever. But, like, it has these outlines, and, like, they watched Joe Schobert leave last year, and they're like, well, they'll never pay a linebacker. Well, we've seen Andrew Barry for one year. Maybe, maybe right. he will if the right guy's available. But for now – we don't have that evidence. We have, we have them going cheap at linebacker, and we and we don't believe, much like the rest of the NFL is getting to that opinion too. Guys, we're like the linebacker side of, kind of the running back of the defense. I'm not telling you guys anything you haven't heard, but but you know you can watch Tampa Bay and watch how Levante David played and 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 White and be like Devin White and be like okay that's a that's a route too. Like yeah. th- there's no perfect formula. Sometimes good running backs are really fun to have on your team too. Like it can, I get that for the majority of the NFL, it's not that way, but there are some guys who are transcendent players. So it doesn't matter. Like you just take them in the talent work. So Cormo is a guy that I'm interested in because he can do a lot of coverage things. I think the Browns also need help with. I think Zayvon Collins can be a nice pass rushing threat as well as a nice coverage linebacker as he was this past year. I don't expect them to take him, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that guy can't play because I think he can play. And if they took him, I'd be like, okay, man, hell yeah, they got a pretty good young linebacker here that I feel good about. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of what I try to do is just like like looking at the evidence that they have and saying this is what I think they'll do. But just because I think they'll do something doesn't mean I think a guy's not good enough or qualified enough or can't play. Like I said, they could buck the trend and take him and be like, and we would say, okay, I, I would, there would be people who would complain, but whatever, I'd be fine with it because I think he's a good football player. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pitch for anybody. Uh, I, I think that there are plenty, let, let's put it this way. We haven't seen the Browns pick 26 in a long time. Is a completely yeah. new endeavor where we're going to watch all these people go off the board. Uh, but there are still – I just feel like there are still going to be some good players there at 26. I like where they're at based on what they need. Um, but, but again, just kind of back to our sentiment a minute ago, which is they could sign Levante David or some linebacker that maybe we aren't expecting, and that changes the entire linebacker outlook. So it could all change, you know, I, I – I think that we need more evidence from from this front office about what they believe, players they prioritize, positions they truly prioritize uh, before we really, really get 
kind of like sticklers about what their philo- like philosophical angle is for for positional value and things like that. So I, th- that part of it's exciting for me is seeing where they go. Like, you know, people wouldn't think that they would spend big money on a defensive and opposite miles because they have a lot invested in miles. Well, they proved otherwise. They were aggressive in going after Watt. So like they're going to be aggressive in proving the defense. That to me is great. And there's a lot of really good options out there to improve this defense. It's a, it, it, they, they need one position offensively, which is a wide receiver, also a deep position. So exciting that they can maybe get a guy in that role too. So um, yeah, it, it's, they could take one of these linebackers, man. I don't even remember what the original question was. I'm out in the weeds right now, just talking, but like, I think that there are really good players at 26 that they could pick, but if they even traded down, there's some really fun names in the thirties that they could end up with too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you, you summed up very eloquently when you said if he's transcendent. The problem is there's a section of Twitter when you're there, there, everybody wants to put the square in the square hole or, you know, the square space, the peg makes everything fit like a puzzle. Sometimes it's not like that. You know, we talk about Andrew Barry and give him a lot of credit for being the statistical analytical genius and same with, same with Kevin Stefanski. And that's true. But these guys are still running a football team. There's a lot of things that we don't know. You know, if you can get a guy like Cormore, don't look at, don't look at the fact that it says OLB next to his name. Look at what he can do, what he allows you to do as far as coverages go. You know, Zayv Collins was garden running, was you know cover running backs. Now, granted, it was against Tulane, but still, what that player is capable of, rather than just the position they're going to be spotted spotted at in your Madden game. But you brought up a great point. We talk about some options at number you know thirty and and uh, later on. Who are some of your your targets? I know you had a couple defensive ends that you had in, in your mock draft. Joe Tryon from Washington. I thought that was a great pick in your mock draft. Guy who who sat out this past year um, has some explosive ability. Um, again, the defensive end from Duke, Victor Dimitri Cage. Dimitri, right? Dimakagey. That's another guy who 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 got he got double teamed basically virtually every play, and uh, I I I appreciate that as well. I was one of those guys that liked Marcus Davenport for a lot of the same reason. Like when people look, if you look at a guy like the dude from Penn State and you look at his production numbers, well, he didn't take the kind of double teams that Victor did at Duke. Right, so there's kind of an excuse for uh, maybe a dip in per, uh, not as much production as you'd like. So I really like those two guys that you highlighted. Um, are there anybody else that we should watch out for that maybe you're a big fan of? Yeah, I like Davian Nixon a lot. I think if they're going to look to improve their interior defensive line situation away from the first round, uh, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year out of Iowa. Very, very, very strong at the point of attack. I think he's got a nice set of moves. He's 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 great. Uh, in terms of gap to gap coverage, and I like how he uses his hands in, in, in point of contact situations too. So he's a nice uh, defensive tackle option that's out there. Uh, you mentioned Joe Tryon. I've seen Joe Tryon mocked as high up as the first round. It's just such a weird year that. in terms of, uh, yeah, you just don't know what these these front offices evaluate and kind of how they value everybody. Um, but as far as safeties go, Darius Washington is another nice safety out of. TCU played alongside uh, Merrick there. I think he's got some nice slot flexibility, so I think he's a guy to to keep your eye on. Um, same day, same too with Holland, the kid out of Oregon. Uh, I think he's going to be a nice safety at the NFL level. There's a ton of really good value safeties. Hampson Asurladine, the, the Florida State kid, is really good. You yes. know, corners in the corners in the second round that I like. Kelvin Joseph, the Kentucky kid, I think is an interesting prospect. Size, size, uh, uh, length, twitchiness. I think. Uh, Afedi Melifanwu, the kid from from Syracuse, who people probably remember his brother, 
uh, who played in the league for a while there. Uh, was drafted by Dallas. A nice, great nice simple name, Obi. Nice, simple name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A 6'3", 215, very rangy, uh, just a long body type that they might really be interested in. Uh, that, that definitely interests me. And then, like, wide receivers, there's there's a ton of guys that, that could be in that value range for them. It's hard to even peg down, like – you know, I, I one of the drafts in the second round, Terrence Marshall from LSU fell. I was like, Sorry. yeah, it'd be hard to pass on him. Uh, Tutu Atwell, the kid out of out of Louisville, is, is a fun speed guy if they're looking speed. Uh, it taught, in terms of guys that could really come in and be difference makers, if you get to the second round, pick 59, and, and either of the Moors are still on the board, Elijah from from uh, Ole Miss, who had the, the, the most receiving yards through eight games of a of, a, of an SEC season uh, in history uh, last year. Uh, he was a, he's a nice, very fluid inside-outside prospect. Rondale Moore, we all know him from Purdue and what he did to Ohio State a few years ago. Another really fun player. Um, you, you know, there's there's guys like, like I said, the, a wide receiver who will be a Diami Brown, the kid from North Carolina, is another interesting prospect. Uh, it goes on and on. I think I think what's good is that the positions they need seem to have some really nice depth. And I, I would say too, um, you know, the, the kid from, I can't think of the name, Ellerson Smith, who's a Northern Iowa uh, defensive end prospect who had a really nice senior bowl. I could probably take the next 30 minutes talking about some, some fun prospects. I'll eventually put this into writing, but uh, there, there are, I just, I, I don't remember, I guess, I don't know. It's been so long since the Browns have had a team where it's like, okay, they need to really peg down these like four positions and then they're in really good shape because they have so many things set on the roster. And I just keep looking at, you know, I, I should say Aline McNeil is another good defensive tackle prospect if they get into the later rounds. Um, you know, the kid too, I was just talking about the other day. I want to talk about a, a tough name to say, I'm trying to pull it up in front of me. His first name's Levi. He's out of Washington. He's another fun prospect. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ozan Awake or something. I don't know. You guys can come back. And that's damn close. That's the, Donovan, but, you probably know it. No, you, you're, you're the West Coast guy. That's. I was going to say Ozan Awake, too. Like, kind of Yeah. Ozan, uh, uh, there's it, an extra, we're missing an extra vowel, though. <laughs> yeah, we probably are, man. Yeah. I'm not I'm not taking any blame if that name went wrong, so don't hold it <laughs> over my head. But listen, they, they're, they're like, there's edge players that are of value in the mid-rounds. There are there are definitely corners that I really like. Shakur Brown, another kid out of Michigan State, I think is a fun player. Um, the list goes on, but the safety corner and defensive line positions have a nice collection of of prospects there for them. So I feel really good about their chance to come out of this thing, like saying, Hey, we really need to focus on defense. And I think that there there's, there's a clear plan to do that. Uh, and maybe sprinkle in a, a wide receiver here or there. And uh, you have a nice potential setup going into 2021 and beyond, which is an exciting thing for Browns fans. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think with the try-on pick, I, I keep go- harping back on it, but I just thought it was such an interesting pick, too, because I feel like it fits what we saw with the Browns last year with Jordan Elliott and Jacob Phillips. It's a guy who has first round – there's like for, – for if he plays 10 plays in a row, three of them are going to be that's the best football player in the world. Seven of them are going to be like, where do you go? Is he even on the field? So, and I, I feel like if you can get a guy like that in the second or third round, that really fits what the Browns, you know, A, that can mark a steal, and B, that kind of fits what they were doing last year. Um, you know, same thing with the guy like Sage Surratt, wide receiver out of Wake Forest, who sat out last year. You know, I know he's not going to be going 
I know the NFL scouts are well aware of him, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about him. So you kind of hope that that hype allows him to fall. I mean, that's a guy that was in late first round conversation. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of talent out there. They're very, they're very deep in a lot of places where um, I think the Browns, you know, like you said, the Browns needs are very deep in the draft. Um, you talked about Tutu Atwell. Did you ch- check out his teammate, Des Fitzpatrick? Cause that's another guy that I know he doesn't necessarily fit that deep speedster role that the Browns would be looking for. But he's a guy that I really, really liked, and he really flourished his freshman year with Lamar Jackson. And then, yeah. obviously, the quarterback situation there was not great. And Tutu Atwell was just pure speed. So Des Fitzpatrick, though, I think he really, I think he could be a nice fit in Cleveland. Did you check him out at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think he's a fluid. I think he's got some fluidity to his game that I like. I think a lot of it will come down to his testing. I think if he tests pretty well. Uh, people will watch the film and they'll get they'll lend a lot of credit to the freshman year being like, okay, this is what this guy can do when he gets consistent quarterback play. Yes. Um, some concerns about route tree stuff there, but but for the oh, most yeah. part, I think he would be a nice mid late round guy that that you could develop because you know I think they might have something with Donovan Peoples Jones in terms of a guy who can eventually start for you. I don't know that he ever becomes a star by any stretch, but uh, a guy who could maybe start down the road. So that's kind of. It's kind of what they're looking for um, in terms of, of somebody who can come in the late rounds and, and slowly develop. Like they didn't have to rush Donovan for the most part last year. They put yeah. him in and said, hey, man, here's a pretty simplified route tree for you in, in situations we think you're going to get a clean break off the line of scrimmage, stuff like that. And he thrived. And I think that they'll continue to let him get in, ease him in those situations where he's most prepared to uh, to take advantage of what he does well. So that's a nice thing. Yeah, and you know, the the – the funny part about him too is they kind of did throw him in there because his very first snap was due to OBJ being hurt. And then it was kind of like, okay, this is your job now, you know, cause he was kind of the only guy in the roster that fit that role there. And he played, he played really well. Obviously he didn't get the receptions and the snaps you, you would see in, in some of the early round guys, but for a six rounder, it, it was pretty surprising. Now, again, the superstar quote was a little insane. I saw that as well, but again, that's, that's, we, far surpassed anything you expect from a sixth rounder at this point, which I think is definitely a good thing. Um, are there any free agent wide receivers that you're looking at that you think that might be a good fit? Well, I, I think that a guy that we've continued at the OBR to preach about and talk about and a guy the Browns know well is Rashad Perriman. I think it makes a ton of sense for both sides in terms of a guy who, hey, man, he's got a very specific role and he can fit it and he can run and he's got some, um, you know, easy – camaraderie with Baker and Jarvis and the guys he's been around before. And I think he would, he would certainly know his role and fit it. Um, I, I, I think that names, you probably don't hear a ton about John Ross, a guy that can just flat run. Maybe he's looking for another opportunity. Again, you're, if you bring back and right now, I have no, I have no reason to believe that the wide receiver room won't be what it is. The only guy that you can look at and say, okay, he might not be here is Rashard Higgins. So, okay. I think that it's, it's, pretty common sense based to look at Richard Higgins and Jarvis Landry and kind of people's Jones and be like, those guys operate in a similar fashion, you know, like looking at, okay, let me put it this way between Higgins, Donovan people's Jones and Kadero Hodge. I think they all operate the same route tree in this offense. So um, you have to make a choice. Do we have four to 6 million more to give Richard Higgins? I don't know. You have, you have OBJ and Landry as it currently sits right now, making 30 million, the highest positional cap hit on the team. Like that's a real issue. It's, it's, it's not an issue, but it is. So like, if you want to add, go add 
Jarvis back in, or sorry, Higgins back in, and then go draft a wide receiver. It's like, okay, someone's got to go at that point. You can't have seven wide receivers on game day. So do they restructure Jarvis and Odell, maybe put some money forward as label as some signing bonus money to soften the cap hits and create seven or eight million to give some of that money to, to Higgins. That's probably the only way it'll happen. If they don't restructure those guys or move on from one of them, Higgins is probably not back. So, okay, you got Odell, you got Jarvis, you got Hodge, you got Peoples-Jones. That's four guys. You're adding a fifth guy. What other thing do you need? Well, we need a guy who's really adept at running deep routes. So, like, Rashad Perriman's a lid-lifting type in this this system. Uh, and like I said, John Ross can obviously really run. Uh, maybe Chris Conley's another like low key free agent that's out there that they could be interested in. So when I'm looking at those, I mean there's there's big names that if they if they moved on from Odell or Jarvis or did anything crazy, I mean Curtis Samuel's a stud. He would be great in this offense. Allen Robinson's a stud would be great in this offense. Kenny Galladay's a stud would be great in this offense. Oh. Like those guys are out there, but they're not they're not realistic for the situation. So you got to look at what guys fit the role they need and that that's the guys i was just kind of referencing right there and there are a ton of those guys in the draft too that can fit that role too so like it's just it's weird man wide receivers got all these different outcomes where you know maybe baker and odell or sorry maybe odell and jarvis just have one more year here in cleveland then they got to kind of like keep an eye on the future too like how are you replacing those guys collectively so that's something they have to be thinking about or they could i i wouldn't say shock us all but they could really like push and accelerate this plan forward a little bit and maybe I don't know what Odell's trade value is it's probably not great but you could probably get a third or fourth pick the round pick for him and something else maybe sprinkled in because he's coming off the ACL I don't think Jarvis is going to net you much in return I uh, told you Josh uh, well, look, I mean he was paid <laughs> straight in. Jake, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to let you finish, Jake. I'm going to ask you a question after. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I want to ask you. Josh knows I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Like, in my opinion, Jarvis was traded for a third-round pick in 2016. Or, sorry, in 20 – what was it? 2017? I don't even know. My years are all confused. 2018 is Baker's rookie year he brought in. So, like, he was traded for a third back then. He's 28 now. He's slower than even he was back then. He's beat up. He takes a physical pounding every year. He's got two more years of wear and tear. Is somebody trading a, a real asset for that guy? Like, I don't, if you trade it for him right now, you're getting back that $14 million contract too. And he's like paid like a top seven wide receiver in the league. And he doesn't produce. I like Jarvis. It's not, it's not like the, I don't tear him down, but this, the facts of the facts here. And like, I just don't know how they move on from either of those guys for anything of value. So then it's like, okay, the only thing, the only outcome there is you move on from them and you open up money to go get those guys, those the Curtis Samuels of the world or whatever. So it's possible. They could do that. I just think that that's a real risk, especially when you know you have to spend so much defensively to get where you want to. So I keep going back to they're going to run it back with those two wide receivers this year, and then we'll see what looks like maybe moving on from the after next year. So that's just kind of where I am. Ask, ask away, my man. I didn't mean to, to linger on there. No, you're good. I just <laughs> – so what was it last week, Josh, that somebody had a uh, fan question for me? And I liked it. I liked the trade for both teams. It was terrible. Be- he hates it so much. <laughs> it was uh, Odell Beckham for Scotty Miller in a second-round pick. No, you said third. You said third, bro. Third, third. Sorry, yeah, it was third, third round pick. Big difference. Scotty Big Miller. difference. Yeah, yeah, Scotty Miller. You said it's twenty four, twenty three. He's I young. mean, I, I just Scott, Scotty can run. I, I, I think that he would have a roster spot. 
he would be thought he would, would he be, yeah. would, would he be a high value player in this offense not Tom Brady's offense but this offense yeah he would have a role but he wouldn't be as, as bad like the pick is the thing for this situation so I'm I'm kind of on record as saying that I don't think they're going to get a first or second for Odell I just don't I think that let me preface this I love a lot about Odell Beckham I think he's a, he's a better person than people lead on. I think he's got a more team-driven attitude than people lead on. But there is an element to him that is very hothead, and that's just who he is. Like, cool, like T.O. was that way. There's a lot of dudes that have been this way. He just is he, – he, he expects a lot, and um, he's coming off a very serious knee injury. He's approaching 30 quickly. What asset are you giving up to bring in a $15 million player? Like, that's the thing, too. It's not just the things about is Odell going to be right again. It's, it's, he's also going to cost us $15 million. So, if they got even a third, I think a third round pick is the max that I could see them getting. So, if I was in the mood to trade Odell, this is not me. I don't want to face backlash from freaking Pete. I'm not saying trade him, but if they were in the mood to trade him, there's so many sensitive people about this. If they were in the mood to trade him, which I understand because there's undeniable data about Baker Mayfield being better without him. You can take that route wherever you want to take it, but the data is the data and how they perceive it is information. We don't know. They have information about that we don't know. There could be any number of things that they know about how Baker went about things differently, or it could be completely innocuous and just be like, oh, well, shit, throw your hands up. It just is what it is. So if they did trade him, that kind of trade, if you're getting back a a young wide receiver who can really run and fill a niche and a third-round pick, I would be inclined to say yes to that. That's just my opinion. That's just kind of where if they were in the mood to do it, it would make sense. If you got a second for him from anybody with this wide receiver class, I would take it in a heartbeat. If you are in the mood to trade him, if you think Odell is going to come back and Baker is a different quarterback in the last two-thirds of last year, we believe he's more comfortable in this offense now because he's more comfortable, because he's better at processing what's going on in front of him. We think he turned the corner. We think he's taking the next steps. And I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, Josh, but you think he's taking the next steps becoming this more comfortable player, this offense around him is more – and he's going to be better with Odell now because he knows where he's going with the football. He understands his role. We have a better rapport in terms of what we're calling for him and what he understands and how he sees the field, and we think we're going to see a better version of Baker and Odell combination. Cool. I'm with that too, man. Like that could be a very plausible outcome. So there's there's a there's a win-win on both sides of that in my opinion. That, that's, that's, that was the argument. That's where I'm at. I would rather – I'm like Peter Griffin with the mystery box. I would rather open the mystery box of OBJ, and if he's if he's Buffalo Bills OBJ, okay, I lost. But at least I tried. I didn't give up on him. You know what I mean? And I'm going to bank – hopefully, hopefully he's that Cowboy. I'm hoping that it just was completely random, that at the time of the injury and the time everything fell apart, that Baker was just finding his groove, and that's why we see the perception that he was better without OBJ. Does that make sense? That's what my hope is. I think you're right about I had I talked to Jake Trotter about that, you know, a couple weeks ago where the conversation is like from the Browns perspective, you're sitting at the round table, you have all the people of importance, AVP, Andrew Barry, all of them, Scott Van P- or Scott, uh, sorry, Kevin Stefanski, all of them are sitting there and they're saying, Okay, we have this really big decision with Baker, and we're gonna talk about Baker. Where's he at? Where'd he go? How'd he get better? How'd he go from the first six weeks being this quarterback that was was borderline unplayable sometimes? I would, that's a bit rough, who is not quite near where we thought he would be <laughs> to to the last half of the year, literally being a top three quarterback in the league almost. 
it, top five, comfortable saying top five. What, 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 what took him there? How do we get him there? Okay, we believe X, Y, and Z got him there. Well, does that now is that now something that we think can jive with with Odell? Like, is that something we think can now he can he can make Odell and, and Baker can now make each other better? Because if not, if there's something about the way Baker plays and he's a very timing-based quarterback and he's a very, I don't give a shit who's on the other end of the read. I just want to make the right read and get the ball out. And mm. I don't want to have to worry about someone chirping in my ear. And that, that's okay. I'm not I'm not knocking Odell. Like good wide receivers, good running backs should want the football. Like they should want it. Like, hey, man, get me the football. That's cool. But if some quarterbacks can't handle that, like in their mind, they're always thinking, okay, Odell's on my left. I know he's got a, I know he's got a seven-yard uh, you know, blaze out here. I, maybe I need to get him the ball. Maybe I need to say, screw it. And just kind of throw him the ball. You know, like that little, the little stuff can creep into your head as a quarterback. Like, man, I haven't gotten no Dell the football the last three drives. I got to throw it to him no matter what here. Well, you throw it to him no matter what, and it's not the right read. Or you get to the line of scrimmage and you say, no, forget it, man. I don't need to think about this. I, I don't need to worry about it. I just need to, I just need to trust the read. And then all of a sudden uh, it's, it's fourth down against um, the Rams in 2019 or whoever. Uh, it was fourth down somewhere they got crossed up and, the middle of the, I don't know, but Odell's running naked down the left sideline. Didn't even look at him. So, like, my point is, is Baker okay with knowing he has a really, really gravitational wide receiver and not worrying about that and just playing? So, that's the internal discussion. Like, can he handle having that guy? Um, because some guys can, some guys can't, and be okay. Or is he just a guy who needs players that can fill specific roles and be timing based and be where he needs them to and never have to worry about a guy in his ear saying, Hey man, got to get, got to get the rock man. And, or, Hey, we got to get 13, the ball here somehow. I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not in the, I'm not on the coach's headset. I'm not in the meetings. I don't know any of this stuff, but I do know that it's real. And I know that that stuff can be real in terms of having a really good football player, not getting on the ball when they need to get the ball or trying to force them the ball in the wrong situations. And it gets picked off or a ball gets tipped. And, and it just is, a, it's a cluster F like for every Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen pairing that just works in perfect harmony. There are others like Baker and Odell where you look at it and you're like, man, on paper, everything makes sense but it doesn't add up on the football field. And that's not anyone's fault sometimes. Like it just right. is what it is. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. We kind of talked about that. I, I you know, you, you said it much better than I did, but I just, we talked about the rainy Moss effect, the feeling like you have to look at him, every player, be aware of where he's at constantly. I, my, I guess my hope was also that with Baker really, really being a different player. I mean, he was undeniably a top 10 quarterback the last eight games undeniably I, I hopefully that gives him the feeling of big enough cojones to where he's running the offense now I think I think there's a lot of pressure when you know that the other guy's the star player kind of like what you were saying like you just feel that pressure like you know you're not the guy that guy's the guy and it's my job to get that guy the ball hopefully that goes away I think if that goes away then that we're dealing with a different offense we're dealing with a different beast but I, I there's a little bit too with Odell swallowing your pride here and said hey man these guys went to the divisional round without me yeah, you know, like I need to fit in, like, you know, the famous I need to fit in and stop worrying about fitting out. Like, I just need to fit in. Like, if I just fit in and do my role, uh, obviously, we know Odell's hyper talented. If he just does exactly what he's supposed to do and goes where he's supposed to go and hits the landmarks he's supposed to hit, he's better than anybody in that wide receiver room by a wide margin. He can be an, an, an yeah. absolutely effective player for them still. So, is there a little bit of that Odell came to Cleveland and he's bigger than life and like. I shouldn't be here, man. These guys can't win. This is a shitty situation. Baker sucks. Well, hold on, man. You, you know, I know the injury sucked. 
but you did watch these guys then take off and you did watch Baker get better. And you did watch this team almost beat the chiefs in the divisional round. And it's like, okay, they did that without me. So his, is his mindset going into this? Okay. Now they got me, let's go. Like we got it. Let's roll. Or is it like still that's the Browns and I'm Odell. Like that's the thing too. Like there's some of that stuff that, that hopefully they can kind of all get on the same page about. I agree. I agree. So I want to cover one more topic before we end the show. Have you? Are you aware that Josh Gordon is reuniting with Johnny Menzel for the Fan Control Football League? I did. I did hear about that, man. It's. 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 Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I. I feel bad. I don't like making fun of anyone, even Johnny. No, like, I'm, not, I'm, Johnny's not a, I'm not saying you are. I'm not <laughs> saying you are. I'm not. Listen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not riding the high horse. I'm just like. Everybody's had down times in their life, man, and like things haven't gone their way or they made a mistake. And I hope they're happy. I hope Johnny finds some happiness. I hope Josh is healthy and and uh, and, and 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 his family's right. And good good for him that he's finding a way to make some money. I, I, good good for him. I, it's weird. It's full circle, but like I hope he's okay. I hope they're all okay, man. Find happiness. This life is short, bro. I, I I was I was being a dick. I was gonna bring up the I, I, that, I was I was being a dick there. But have you have you watched any of them yet? Any of the fan control football stuff? I saw Johnny was like one for seven and had like a twenty yard touchdown run. I have not see, watched. See, that's not fair. Donald and I talked about this. That that's not that's not fair because it, it's it's arena football style, right? It's seven sure. on it's it's seven on seven. Josh Gordon actually, I think is. is his intro will be next week. But what happened was Johnny Menzel was just ripping runs off. So he had like, I don't know, 88 rushing yards in arena football game and a touchdown. And the game, the game is designed to where you have to play both quarterbacks. So he only played like two quarters. So they, uh, I don't, I don't ESPN shared that stat, but that wasn't really fair. Cause he kind of did what he was supposed I, to do. I've he's tried every other he football. Got hurt now, so. I, mean, I don't know. He man. did. He got. He got. He got smacked around pretty good because he was. Run, he was running around. But he. I mean. Well, if you follow Johnny on Instagram, you would know that he is not really taking his lead that serious. Like he's just playing for fun. Like he. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think Johnny yeah. takes much in his yeah, life. Yeah, he's not. He's just having fun. Uh, yeah, man. He's just having fun, man. He, but like you said, he is having. Now Gordon's a little different. I, I don't know if Gordon think you know Gordon still he'll has, play this week. We'll Gordon, see, we'll Gordon see has, he does Gordon, this week. Johnny's there's no way Johnny's gonna play in any league bigger than this probably ever. But Joe Josh maybe if he could lay, lay off. I don't know. Lay off the weed. Uh, <laughs> Damon Sheehy Giuseppe was also on that league. So there's three former Browns on that one team. Really? Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. He had, he didn't get he didn't get any relevant uh, plays. But anyways, I I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to throw that in there to be a dick. But. Uh, Let's talk about Baker Mayfield, man. Um, we, I mean, we kind of already talked about him a little bit, but do you think that the Browns should give him the heavy money and move on? Because there's some there's some debate on Twitter. A lot of people think that they should hold out, see what happens. Yeah. Like there's yeah. still a chance he's going to be a bust. I disagree. I think he's a star. I'm ready to go. I'm all in. Look, I, <laughs> I've I've been through peaks and valleys with this whole thing. I was on Baker before I saw anybody else on Baker at Oklahoma in his early junior year I was like I don't know why this guy isn't the first pick and and uh, people kind of caught on and I'm not trying to be like that I found Baker Mayfield nonsense no, I'm just saying like I was in on Baker that. really early like in terms of I but no no that's not how it is everybody <laughs> finds him at their own pace but I just thought it was really weird when I was like watching film on him I'm like man this guy's really good why is no one talking about him? and then everybody eventually talked about him and you go through the cycles and I was very high on Baker after his rookie year and then and then all of a sudden, this 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 quarterback in his second year shows up, and it's like, 
all of the pre-draft flaws were there, like all of the all of the issues and bailing pockets when he when he didn't feel comfortable. And like you look back on it, and I understand it. I certainly understand what he was uncomfortable with with uh, Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson and some of the things going on around him. He needs a strong offensive line. Some guys need really great wide receivers. Some guys need um, different things to be successful, and he needs a good offensive line. He just does. He's a shorter guy, and he does not overly athletic he can't Russell Wilson his way around and make a bunch of plays like that but um look I think for what they want to do for what their offensive structure is I I I hate to have a lame answer here but I understand both angles like I trust them on this they know so much stuff about how Baker got better why that if they pull the trigger early here and say hey man we believe in you uh we think that this is going to work long term I it's totally justifiable. You look at the last two thirds and you're like, okay, these guys didn't get a preseason together. These guys didn't get a ton of time. They took the first third of the season. They got on the same page. It all worked out. They see this guy where he's going, where he's taking them. And they, they definitely put a lot of weight on his shoulders the last half of the year. Like it's yeah. undeniable that I think that the discussions in the front office and, you know, it's, it's well noted that, that Barry and Stefanski and all these guys would get together with deep and talk about game plan. Like, I think they were like, Hey man, we're playing some really good run defenses. We got to put this thing on Baker's shoulders. And it also gives us a chance to, to like see is Baker the guy? Like it gives us a chance to really audition him here. Because if Baker really had a really bad year collectively, there would probably be some draft discussions going on. Oh, yeah. They'd be picking, they'd be picking like 12th or 13th and they'd be talking about drafting somebody like Trey Lance. Like they would be doing that. But I think what he did is showed them, hey, man, you give me a really sound structure. You give me a good group of players around me and I can really do some things for you and I can really make plays happen. And um, I listen, I want I want him to be consistent uh, in terms of putting a full season together. So if they extend him now, totally get it. The cap is weird, though. So maybe they don't quite feel comfortable not ex- extending him right now when they could look at the be- get a better, clear picture after 2021 when the cap was probably going to go back to normal following 2021 because you'll probably have more fans in the stands. It'll be a more realistic experience. The the TV money is set to go crazier than normal. Um, so they could say, okay, there's two ways to look at this. You could say, hey, Bake, we want to get this done now before the cap goes crazy and you have a great year and you're like, okay, now I want top five quarterback money in the league. Mm-hmm. Or they could say, hey, man, we need to be patient here because we want to see it all work together. The, the unfortunate thing is they didn't do what a lot of – teams do with these young quarterbacks which is they gave them this this, the right head coach right away right like they were rushed into this thing now so the first year he wasted with Hugh into Freddie he wasted year two with Freddie now he's on year three and they're like okay we got to make a decision on his fifth year basically only getting a 16 game sample size which it's tough right because you only get 16 games together you don't even get camp together like normal when it just it all it all adds up so like I, I don't know it's a very it's a condensed timeline to make a really important decision if they make the decision, I think it's really easy to understand why they made the decision because he, he put a lot of great things on tape this year. And the good thing about what he put on tape this year, and I'm writing about it soon, is it wasn't the unsustainable things. You know, there's a lot of fluctuation, guys, and stats year to year of guys who get out and scramble. And because when scramble drill, there's a lot of variance, a lot of uh, a lot of randomness that takes place. Guys getting out of the pocket and making plays on the run because a guy makes a break at the right time to get on scramble drill. He makes a break on a route. What you want to see is stability stats that are good. How good is a quarterback throwing in rhythm? How good is a quarterback throwing against blitz? How good is a quarterback throwing from the pocket or uh, working from his first read to his second read without leaving the pocket? Like those are 
the stats that you want to see are the are the ones that translate to to consistent success. And like I said, it's rhythm throwing, it's being on time, it's being accurate. And I think that Baker's numbers this year were super super encouraging. So I understand if they want to extend him, but I also understand the flip side which is, hey, man, maybe we want to see where the cap's going. Maybe we want to see you put it together over another 16-game sample size, and we're okay with swallowing the the, the 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 loss of, like, hey, man, maybe we should have signed Baker last year because <laughs> here's what we won't care about, okay? Play a hypothetical game with me. They, they, they don't sign. They pick up the fifth year. They pick yeah. up the fifth year. They go into next year, and he lights it up. He goes for 40 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Great outcome. Awesome. And we're like, man, they should have signed this guy. Shut up. You won't be saying that because Baker will be so damn good and you'll have so much belief in him that it doesn't matter what they pay him. So it, it, it really won't. It really won't. That's so at the, at the end of the day, you want them to get as much evidence as they need. If they don't feel like they have enough evidence right now, fine. Run it again another year. And if he's really, really good, then you're going to be like, I don't really care because they have an awesome quarterback for the next 10 years. And if he's not good and he's bad, then you also still have the ability to get out of it. If you need to get out of it without tying yourself to somebody for a long time, I think he's good. I think he's going to be good. Uh, is he going to be elite elite? I don't know, but he, he's really good. And I think you can win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield and that's what matters. So um, yeah. yeah, I hope they, I hope they make it work this year or next year. I hope they make it work. You know, in quarterbacks, they're such a weird position, too, because they, they know the value of themselves and the value of their weapons, and they make so much extra money due to endorsements and stuff. We don't know what kind of – obviously, you know, using the term hometown discount is probably not valid for a guy as young as Baker. But we don't know what – you know, maybe he does explode and he still only wants top 10 money instead of Patrick Mahomes' top 5 money. Do you know what I mean? There's just a lot of factors there to – to, to, to consider it. I don't know if you're aware of this. We talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. This is a, a couple weeks ago. Jeff Schwartz, the old officer, Mitchell Schwartz's brother, he has his own pot. He was on VEASAN's podcast, and he said that he would be willing to bet that the Browns are going to be in the, the similar situation as the Eagles and the Rams because you can't pay average quarterbacks. And he said definitively Carson Wentz was better than Baker Mayfield. I took great offense to that. I was incredibly upset. But Do you it doesn't sound like you're right worried about now? that at all. Do you mean right now or like just like his? his he he said he said in a couple he said in a couple years the Browns are going to be in a, the exact same situation. They were they were talking about the the Jared Goff trade is what they were talking about and how the Eagles should try. This was before Carson Wentz trade. And he said, the, he goes, mark my words, the Browns will be in the same position in a couple of years because they're going to pay a very average quarterback that could be sitting there in cap hell and they're going to be looking for a way out. And I was just, I was blown away by that. I was blown away that some people still view Baker Mayfield that lowly. Don, did you want to add anything? I saw you. I, I, uh, I mean, you know, I like, <laughs> I, I like Jared. Um, I mean, Baker's better than Jared. I think Carson's high was higher than Baker and Jared's high. Um, but Baker's better overall than all, all of them. Uh, Jared didn't. Jared didn't really have any lows. Like his lows were not as bad as Carson Wentz's. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. He never threw like four picks in a game. Um, he would just throw like yeah. no, he would throw no picks and no touchdowns. <laughs> like Jared Goff doesn't mess up games. But he doesn't really win you games. Carson. Uh, Carson's in the best situation he could possibly be in. I know. I trashed on Carson Wentz last year, but you did. You hate it. You bet against him every week. Yeah, I did. But he was horrible. But he's in the best situation of his life, really. Like since you know the year he had in Philly when it was good. Baker's in the best situation of his life. Um, Jared, not so much, but he already had. He I mean, went to the Super Bowl like a few years ago, so that was probably the best spot for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Baker is a Super Bowl. Uh, you know how much I like Baker. I was kind of with with Jake here. I, you know, I've been following. I do high school football. Um, Jake, if you didn't know that, so 
been following that kid for a long time, dude. Um, <laughs> since high school, he's a legend in Texas. Got under recruited, obviously. You know the Cliff Kingsbury. You know Texas <laughs> making fun of Josh there, saying I love Cliff so much. But one, one I mean, of the yeah. many quarterbacks he couldn't win with at Texas Tech. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Hey, well, he got you know Davis Webb and Mahomes instead, I guess, to replace. Uh, <laughs> Still Baker, couldn't but, win with them. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's you have true, to stop but, people too. That's the thing. But yeah, no, listen. Do. But no, I mean, I, yeah, I was gonna say, I, 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 just, I think. You, I, don't, you wanna, I, I don't agree with that quote, but Baker is not. I wouldn't pay him top dollar yet. I would wait a year. Like, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I understand. I don't think yeah. he gets elite money yet, but like, I get, listen, I get where Jeff is coming from. I think Jeff is, he was a good football player. He's, he's carved a niche out of, of making statements that, listen, if a majority of what you say pisses people off, I think that you got to slow down and say, okay, am I the problem here or. <laughs> No, that's fair. Bro, like, go do your thing, man. He's making money doing this career. He's a lineman, which is a very rare thing for linemen to get out and make your money. And, like, cool. Like, he knows more about football than I'll probably ever – he'd probably forget more than I'll ever know, like, for the most part. He's been around great people, and I just think that he gets gets really over the top with some of these takes. And, like, it's good for his brand because it's got people like you and I talking about it. Yeah. Um, I think that, listen, when I look at Carson Wentz, I see a guy who had a really nice year, but that year, if you look at it and go back and track his next two years after that year, the randomness of that year that he had, a lot of those stats were the unsustainable scramble mode type of plays that if you go back and track his on target percentages and things of that nature, he kept getting worse. It kept trending in the wrong direction. And that's a guy who had really good weapons early in his career in Philly. And you yeah. can't debate the line play around him was really good too. They've had elite line play around him and the stats kept getting worse. While if you look at Baker and you say, okay, Baker's been pretty good every year dating back to college, except for one. And then we see this guy, the last half of this year who was really, really good. So like, okay, is that one year that he was with Freddie kitchens who I think we've all been able to step back and say like, Go get your money, Freddie. You did a great job. You fooled a lot of people. So, like, when I heard stories of Freddie at the Senior Bowl after he got hired, just, like, laying out a bar, I was like, man, this probably was not a great decision. So, like, listen, (laughs) I don't think there's any debating that the 2019 Browns were an abject disaster from communication to everything involved. Like, they just were a disaster. So, if you take that year out of Baker's last five years, you got a guy who seems to continually keep getting better. So, that to me is the difference. He's got a guy who's trending up. So like with Baker, if Baker was a 6-3-215 quarterback who didn't have a swaggy confidence about him, guys like Jeff Schwartz wouldn't care. They would probably be in on Baker, but they don't like the bravado so much and like they just kind of want to keep squashing him and squashing him and it's like yeah. I get it his personality's not for you, but if you remove Baker and you just say quarterback A 6'3", 215 pounds, Uh, these stats and what they've done, you probably would say, yeah, that'd be a good extension for that guy. So I don't think, let me put it this way. I think there's a world in which a bad extension can happen uh, where things turn and and go a a bad direction that maybe nobody is really expecting, but I don't think the Browns are going to regret it. If they sign him, I think he's going to give them quality quarterback play. Is he going to give them elite quarterback play, like really elite quarterback play and have a year like he had at Oklahoma where he throws 40 and under 10 interceptions. Maybe not, but is that is is thirty to thirty five touchdowns? It's like is a twenty eight to thirty five touchdown range with eight to twelve, thirteen, fourteen interceptions good enough to win a ton of games in the NFL if you have good talent around you? Hell yeah, it is, man. So 
I just don't think they're going to be in that whole like regretting situation. Like, I guess if you did that scenario 10 times, maybe one time it ends up Baker just taking a plummet. But I think he's got too many sharp minds around him now, too many good players around him up front in the positions he needs to be really good to, to have him just be like a, a, a quarterback contract that just falls off in a couple of years. I would be really surprised if that was the outcome. Yeah. I, going on. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was going to say, that I, I, the only thing I do like about that statement was golf and Wentz kind of got traded for two different reasons. Golf never got better. Wentz got hurt all the time and regressed. Mm-hmm. Like golf is the same quarterback yeah. he was when he came out of Cal. Like he has not gotten Baker is, is different. Cause like Jake said, and like you've said before, plenty of times, Josh and myself and everybody is like, Baker's gotten better besides that one year. Um, he hasn't had any stability. That's the thing with golf. Like you've had McVeigh and like these weapons and like, you haven't gotten better, man. Like Wentz. And- that's, that's too like Wentz had Peterson, a people, yeah, Wentz has had the same. I don't think people understand what team. Baker came into, bro. Like he came yeah. into, they were zero and sixteen. They were historically inept, and they kept you. They historically kept Hugh Jackson. Yeah. They kept him, and he was a lame duck, and Hugh knew it. Everyone knew it, and then it all went wrong. They lost close games again that they continued to lose. They bring in Freddie Kitchens, who listen. Freddie had called a couple great games where some things came together, and they kept they kept him on like. He's had no consistency, and he came in. Even with Stavansky, I mean, a lot about of people him. didn't like that hire. I mean, it's rare. Yeah, like. You're right, bro. You're absolutely right. Like, I just don't think people understand when you get picked first how many things are working against you sometimes. Mm-hmm. The Rams figured it out. They got Sean McVay, and it was a home run, and it was the right pairing from the right go. And you're right. He never got better. You eventually want to see your quarterback be able to handle more shit, and he couldn't handle it. You can't do it. He didn't get better, and they said, we need to upgrade. You look at these guys who get taken first overall, and you look at what they've done for them. What Baker had to deal with is so bad, and I don't think people talk about it enough. No, he didn't right. get Hugh Jackson fired. Hugh Jackson got himself fired. Yeah. He didn't get Freddie, Freddie, Freddie Kitchens fired. Freddie was inept. He could not be a head coach. He could not handle everything that came with it. He's finally got somebody with a competent head on his shoulders, and look what kind of season he was finally able to put together. Like, <laughs> I don't think people understand how much he had to overcome. That's one thing when you talk about Baker that people continue to forget. Well, he didn't win, bro. They did. They won one game in thirty-two games before he came to Cleveland, and he mm-hmm. put them in his third year to the brink of beating the Chiefs in the playoffs. Like, it, I just—it's so crazy to me. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So. I, I think that there's there's a level to that. People just underestimate situations all the time. You know, like if a player gets put in this situation versus that situation can make an entire career. How many quarterbacks would have been able to be selected first, deal with what he dealt with, and come out on the other side? Like, I don't know. Maybe Josh Allen could have done it. I don't know. Sam Darnold clearly couldn't do it. Lamar Jackson – are you telling me Hugh Jackson's going to build the right offense around Lamar with Greg Roman and all the pieces that the Baltimore's put around him and the great defense initially? I just think it's crazy, man. Like they just underestimate that stuff. So Matt, like major shout out to Baker for overcoming that and even giving himself a chance. Like the, the quarterback ineptitude in Cleveland is not legendary for, for no reason. It is yeah. real. Like they have dealt with it. It's a stigma. The stadium could feel it. You can always go to that stadium <laughs> and like, no, you, you know, man, I tell the story all the time about, I went to a game. I don't go to many games cause I just like watching it from a better perspective, but they're playing like 2016 playing 
Baltimore. They jumped out 20 to nothing, and the, and the PAT got blocked. They're up 20 to nothing. PAT gets blocked and returns 20 to 2, and the whole stadium knew they were going to lose. They lost. The whole stadium knew. It was 20 to 2, and the whole stadium knew they were going to lose. Like, you can feel that, that, that stadium. The, the fans are like, they know. It's a yeah. Murphy's Law stadium, man. Like the people don't see Murphy's it. Law. Like they they've seen it for so long, they know it's coming. And like the the nervousness around Baker's first throw. If you go back and watch that Monday Night Football, guy, oh, I have yeah. a thing for you. Go back and listen. Like NFL Game Pass is really cool, where you can replug in the TV broadcast and put good headphones on and just listen to everything. Like I like to go back and listen to the TV view so I can hear like line adjustments and shit. And this year was a ton of fun because. You could hear everything. Like mm-hmm. there's no fans. You could hear everything. But that first game, the Monday night, Sunday night football game of hell was a Thursday night game. I can't remember at this point. Go back and listen to how quiet the crowd got before Baker's first. It's really fun to listen to. It's a it's 70,000 people in the stadium, and it gets so quiet right as he rips the first throw that gets caught. It's really unique to go back and listen to it. So, like, if you're, you know, anyone who's listened to this. Like, go back and listen to it. It's really unique. Like, the pressure that is on Baker Mayfield being the first quarterback selected number one overall since since Tim Couch's failure is so heavy. And for him to be able to overcome it and get to this point he's at now, like, that's an even bigger reason to feel great about Baker overall. Sorry, I rambled. But, like, the no. you 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 nailed it. And that's by far being – that's by far the most frustrating part about watching football – is that you know you remember Tim Couch, you remember Derek Carr, you I mean, Derek, you remember David Carr, you know you remember these guys that were like that guy was good. They, there was nothing around him. There was nothing around him. You know what I mean? This number one wide receiver for three years was Kevin Johnson. That's an issue. You know what I mean? Like you remember those guys getting hurt and sacked constantly. You remember Der- David Carr's best offensive lineman being Tony Buscelli, who was forty years old at the time. You, you know what I mean? Kajana Carter, guys that got hurt. Or, the situation is so important in the nfl it's just so important and people don't realize that and for as much credit as you give tim couch for oh well this situation sucked we need to give that same credit to baker mayfield for being in a similar situation and coming out of it someone like roses because that's rare that's rare i mean you could go back and look at guys like troy aikman where you know they they drafted him and they did everything they could to stack around michael irving emma smith nate newton you know same thing with peyton manning baker mayfield hasn't hit that yet and he's still looking like a, he's looking like a good a good player and it's just it's, it's situation is everything you, you nailed it not enough credit is giving toward given to him toward because of that i mean you go back and look at all these guys man like these first picks that the, the the quarterbacks that were taken like mm-hmm. with the burden of being selected first. I mean, the, the jury's still out on Kyler, but I think Kyler's going to be pretty good, but he came in with the guy with the best structure of offense for him. You know, like, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt uh, about the structure of Kyler and, and, and Kingsbury working out, but like Jared Goff, we've seen that the pressure of, he came into an ideal situation. The pressure of that just too much for him. Uh, Andrew Luck. I think Andrew was transcendent in and of himself, but he came to a team that the year before, um, Peyton Manning gets hurt, whose roster was ready to compete in a stable franchise. You know, Cam Newton, Ron Rivera tied together. Sam Bradford injuries. It's like you go down the line and, like, there's some of these guys that are able to come. Like, Matthew Stafford's a great example of a guy that was just kind of like, he's kind of just just good enough, man. Keep, you know, keep plugging away. There's there's so many Jamarcus Russell examples out there of like these guys that just can't handle it. And, and, and the first pick is too much for them. So um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be uh, give, give more credit to Baker for overcoming what was 
If you go back and look at the last 20 years of first pick quarterbacks taken, it's it's as challenging a situation to arrive in as anybody. It might even Absolutely. be the worst. It might. It might. You're coming in with a coach who was one in 32 and uh, who was forced to hire an offensive coordinator uh, who had no control over anything, who was a lame duck from the, from the second he was kept on just because they'd fired Rod Chodzinski before him after a year or sorry, Mike Pettin, and then Jadzinski before they felt the pressure to keep a guy for another year. Like it just, it was, it, it was an unbelievable thing to deal with early. And then just blowing the whole second coaching hire of his career, just completely messing that up. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is bad. It was bad. It was bad. And, and I think it might be the worst one we've seen since the Browns have arrived back in the league. Maybe, maybe Tim oh, yeah. first. I don't know. David yeah. Carr's probably you could argue David Carr. David Carr for sure. But like um I don't know. A non-expansion quarterback first taken overall. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's 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 situation is everything and you know quarter nothing accentuates that fact more than the, the quarterback position. Um but it, it, hey Jake, we we appreciate you coming on man. This was a blast. Again, this is Jake Burns from the OBR. Do you got anything you want to pitch or plug? No, man. Check us out the OBR. we got a great deal going on right now for membership that includes some great offers for TV subscriptions tied to it, which is a really cool thing, 50% off. So check us out. Um, you know, film coverage all year round, draft coverage all year round, uh, Rumors Central and guys that are connected to Berea that do a great job collecting some inside info for us too. So we'd appreciate any support and check out our YouTube channel as well, which is just the OBR Film Breakdown YouTube channel. So thanks, Josh, Donovan, for having me on, man. Guys, I, I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, you're doing great stuff, so keep it up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.